0: Welcome to a very special episode of the Knife Nuts Podcast. This is a landmark episode of the podcast. You know, there's been a few for me, but this one's big because we are joined by Grant and Gavin Hawk of Hawk Knives. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah thanks. thanks
1: Thanks for having us. It's yep. about time, Levon. I, I know, man. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely
0: been in the cards for quite a long time, and the fact that uh, your father, Grant, has uh, graced us with his presence as well is just such a great surprise. I didn't know... Excellent. We didn't know that you he, he were coming on until today, uh, until a few, uh, you know, and 15 minutes ago, and it's such a great yeah.
2: surprise to have. Yeah, that's
1: you. when I found out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the way well, it should be.
1: And I, I assumed that he'd be on and I I thought, well, you know, if I never told LeVon that he was gonna be there. Maybe I'll I'll send him a text, let him know that there's two of us. <laughs> well, welcome surprise. Yeah, very welcome surprise. That's so
3: especially cool. compared to the two bit hacks we usually have on this show, like Brian. <laughs> yeah,
0: like Brian <laughs> who's not here right now.
3: <laughs> yeah. So he sends his
0: regards. He's he's a little busy right now. Um you guys, are, I see you guys are recording from the shop, it seems. Yeah, this is our... One of the shops? This is
1: our office. Um, right. We, uh, I guess we didn't realize that this had a, a camera element to it, so we <laughs> picked this last second. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of our messy little office, so you're looking at, uh, that's kind of my dad's corner right there. <laughs> we could have tidied up a little. and.
0: Registered. Oh, no Stop.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, the, no, you gotta more. remember,
0: this is, it's, this is knife people that watch this sort of thing. These no, are not. Right. Yeah, the more time. authentic,
1: the better. Yeah. Yes. They're probably gonna notice things up there we don't even want them to see. I don't even know what's up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't fine. think we're at a point
0: mm. where the resolution is going to be. Uh, oh,
1: yeah. Lose we, we, us? We, we went dark. For,
0: we went dark. Fortunately, we got the we're,
4: trade
3: we're, secrets. Yeah, we're in 480p, right.
4: so I don't think uh, anyone's gonna see much of anything.
3: How many. How many I didn't do anything, so... It might... It occasionally turns off the video if your internet connection uh, isn't strong enough, so maybe you guys come back.
1: I should have a... I got a strong internet connection. Oh, okay. I thought I did. This
3: (laughs) this stuff is not perfect, unfortunately.
1: I'm not going to lie, I was secretly
0: hoping you guys were going to be recording from the teepee. Uh, Yeah, that would have been nice. (laughs) We could have. I've got my laptop. Yeah, we got a teepee out back. (laughs) Alright, let's just shut it all down and let's move to the teepee no. <laughs> Yeah, that's right Give us about 15 minutes Alright um, um, Gavin, yeah. you probably recognize um, where where I'm recording If you look in the background you'll see an
1: unorthodox uh, door latch Yes, I, I do love your house I love your door door latches They're great
3: um, the amount of times, Levon has bragged about the fact that Gavin Hawk likes his door or not, or door, door mechanisms. It's been mentioned yes. more than once on this podcast. That's this is not the su- first time.
0: It was such a surreal situation. <laughs> um,
3: yes, um,
0: but we—the main thing that we we talk about when we bring up uh, the Hawks—and uh, from from an early from an early on. Uh, Stage of this podcast, but not not only that, but from when we started collecting knives, um, is the the Blade HQ interview you guys did when Ben uh, came to your uh, your shop and did a nice little uh, documentary. Right. Um, that was a huge thing for 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 me specifically, and I know Jake loved it too. Um, but just watching your process and the way you guys did things and. And hearing about uh, Grant's story, and and then you being brought up in that environment and how it shaped you uh, it was huge. And I would really love, as we start chatting, to really have you guys talk about that story uh, again, uh, because I think it needs it's it's about time that that gets retold. And of course, you know, we're at a point now where Hawk Knives is now an official brand. You know, it's not just a couple guys in their shop making really cool lock mechanisms and selling their lock mechanisms to to larger. Okay.
3: They just. They, okay. Yep. So we probably lost all, <laughs> <laughs> all that in the beginning, oh. but that's fine. We're talking Which about pocket part, clips. We'll we jump we in, missed the pocket clip Media Res. Yeah. <laughs> Probably most of the beginning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. And media res. This is a storytelling oh. technique. You could just jump in right in the middle. Of so story. we had some technical difficulties,
0: and uh, we're now actually back with uh, Grant and Gavin Hawk. You can't see them.
1: Um, maybe you will.
3: Maybe you will.
1: It, it'll probably uh, just pop on I, automatically, randomly. Yes.
3: Yeah. As long as long I'm as we're open. getting the audio. As long as we have some evidence that we. Got to talk to, to Grant and Gavin. I'll just take a still
1: frame from when we were there and just put <laughs> yes. it there. It'd be great. We've already mentioned there we
0: we go. we've already mentioned my doors. I just want to <laughs> re mention
1: your amazing doors. doors. Yes, thank you. Thank and you uh, the copper copper work you have done in Look, your
0: house. I, I I'm gonna blame <laughs> Matt Diskin
1: for that. Uh, I'm glad he brought it up.
0: I, I was trying to <laughs> set it up, but no one took the bait. Either way.
1: Yes. Um they were fantastic. We're just, I still have memories of the great job you somebody did on your copper. It's great. Look, the welds were clean, okay? It was a very anyway. clean job, yes.
0: <laughs> uh so we, we started jumping into the it, you probably will never hear it, but we started talking about the grip clip and how everything should have a grip clip on it and the evolution of the grip clip. But oh, you know, great. it was it was interesting that we started talking about the latest knife, uh, the latest venture, uh, by Hawk Knives. But I kind of want to take it to the beginning. Okay, let's do it. Grant, can we, sure, oh. how do you want to start this? How do you do? You want to talk about uh, your mining exploits first, and go from there, or you want to talk about your childhood? You can go back as far as you want. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and uh, so that's why it's a book because there's so much of it. But ah, the book. Uh, Yeah, so, but anyway, before I tried to make a knife, uh, I was up to my ears in gold mining projects. Um, I had a lot of claims. Uh, I had a project in Silver City, which is, I don't know, 100 miles south of us. And uh, we had a drill program up there that we ran through the winter and we had some really good showings, and everything was working well. And then the price of metals started to drop, and sometime in the early 90s, the price of metal, had uh, gold and, and silver, had dropped so far that uh, I was making mining equipment, and nobody wanted mining equipment, or mines, or stock, mining stock. So things were a little dismal, and I had just won custody of Gavin in a long drawn out court battle. He was 10 years old at the time, and I could see that I wasn't going to be able to provide for an income off of my mining ventures, and I just happened to be fumming through a knife magazine at a store someplace and it kind of sparked my interest. I used to making a lot of things and I wondered if I couldn't make a knife. There was an ad in the magazine for an upcoming show in Eugene, Oregon. So I took Gavin with me and we went to the Eugene show And we spent the whole three days walking the aisles and looking at knives and talking to knife makers. And uh, anyway, by the time we finished there and was on the drive home, I pretty much decided that I wanted to try my hands at that. It looked like something, like an arena I might be able to compete in. I was inspired when I watched a few collectors counting out $100 bills for (laughs) uh, $1,500 knives that I was pretty sure I could learn to make. That'll do it. Yeah, so anyway. So when I got back, I started fiddling around trying to figure out how to make a knife. Uh, I went to the yellow pages in the phone book. The only knife maker in the phone book was Chris Reeve. So I drove to his shop and introduced myself and said I wanted to be a knife maker. And Chris said, yeah, well, everybody wants to be a knife maker. (laughs) He said, have you ever made a knife? I said, well, no. Yeah, so anyway, I went home. Uh, I found a file that looked like it was about as thick as a knife ought to be. And I ground it into a knife, and I put a kind of a stacked handle on it. And uh, I had some problems with the bolster. Uh, It didn't fit quite right, so I tried brazing the crack shut, and that didn't work very well. So it was kind of a dismal failure. When I took it to Chris Reeve, uh, he looked at it for a while, and he said, that's the worst knife I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) So... He recommended some books and suggested that I read up on it a little and try again. And so I ended up making another design, which almost no one has ever seen. It was actually the first design that I made multiple copies of. I made about 15 of them, I think. I didn't even name it, I, I didn't know that you're supposed to name knives. So I just made 15 of these knives and sold them mostly to friends. And then I I got to where I didn't like it, so I started all over again, so my next development was the pony knife, and, and along with that was the gal leg knife, which was Kind of on the same order, but with a stacked handle instead of a slab handle, and those two went pretty well. Uh, we got lucky at a show later in Eugene. Uh, I forgot the fellow's name, the writer. He was writing for Knives Illustrated, and he took a liking to the pony knife and the gal leg, and did a nice article, and that helped a lot. So. That kind of at least put us in the game. Um, Took us to knife shows so that we could learn more about what other people were doing and where the market seemed to be and so on. And then we tackled the uh, folder, what was it? Oh, the dog folder. Yep, the dog lock. And so uh, that first version we built, uh, well, the pony knife, and the galleg were all pretty much completely by hand. I had an uh, right. end mill and a lathe, but uh, then we bought a uh, uh, a sharp mill with an Analam controller after market fit on it, and so that was our first folding knife and our first attempt at CNC. Gavin was still young yet. I did. Uh, I had to learn to run, uh, uh, well, first of all, the first uh, drawings I made were all on paper, on graph paper, at two times scale. And then I went back over (laughs) the graph paper and wrote the program out with pencil and and three ring binders. And then entered it in uh, one stroke at a time at the console on the the aniland and i had a terrible time it took i don't know i think it took almost a year from the time i got the idea until i actually had a marketable knife and
1: so what he was doing is he'd, he'd take the the graph paper and he'd count the little squares and then that would be the dimension that he would write into the controller so it was just yeah measuring and counting all the little
2: squares. <laughs> it's yeah, it was on sixteenth inch graph paper, but a very large sheet that I got from a blueprint company. You wouldn't even think it would work. <laughs> uh, and the
0: yeah, no, what what other knife makers were doing that at the time?
2: Uh, I guess I don't know. Can you think uh, of any? Well, uh, Chris Reeve imagine. had an early CNC machine. Uh, uh, what sure, was that?
0: Uh, I'm saying. But he was mass, pro- even at that time, he well, was yeah, producing he, knives on mass, right? When he first started,
2: right? he, was, uh, he had uh, kids coming from the local university, BSU, uh, to come and program the machine. So I'm not sure just exactly mm-hmm. how, to, I wasn't looking over his shoulder, but he wasn't even right. programming it as of yet. Yes. And, it's and still so pretty I programmed primitive. mine the, the, probably right. the absolute hardest possible way counting 16th inch squares on a drawing that was unreal I don't know it was probably a foot and a half long but the drawing was two times scale yeah so
1: there was no yeah we had no computers at that time
2: yeah so anyway, right. it was really muddling through but we finally were able to produce some knives and then one of my acquaintances from Mining World used to make parts for mining equipment that we made. And he was happened to be a personal friend of Doug Hutchins, is that right? No, of, Rod Bremer. Oh, I'm sorry, Rod Bremer of uh, Columbia Plum. River Knife and Tool. And so he had called and put in a good word for me and so we went and showed the knife and as luck would have it about the same time that i approached columbia river uh, our dog polder appeared on the cover of blade magazine when we were in a show in somewhere in southern california custom yeah yeah, i remember gavin giving uh uh to (laughs) steve uh, shackelford uh holding the knife up saying wouldn't this look great on the cover yeah i essentially
1: well, pestered him the whole show i think i was i don't know, 17 something like
2: that No, i don't think you were that old yet. yeah
1: because the yeah it came out in 2000 did
2: it yep so anyways okay. well, 17, well, 18. maybe so anyway he gave him a good pitch i didn't think there was a chance in hell but we were surprised to find that just before we were scheduled Uh, to talk to Columbia River, it appeared on the cover. So that helped a lot. And so anyway, we put a deal together with Columbia River and that was our first factory collaboration. And it it ran for several years or something. So with that, I kind of went back to the drawing board with the idea of repeating that performance by designing other knives that a factory might take and so we started building prototype after prototype of uh, everything we could think of uh, some of them actually made the grade and ended up in collaborations others uh, never really got the traction but that was kind of our business model for a long time where we would design a knife in-house we might make as few as 20 or 30 prototypes or we might make a few hundred prototypes um all the time showing them two different factories hoping to get a license agreement and so and your focus was your focus at this point um interesting
0: mechanisms at that point at that point was that something you guys were thinking of? Was that something you were
2: thinking Well, of? So, yeah, uh, probably Gavin, I'm sure you were probably started with starting me to but uh, Gavin picked up on it as well uh, but I, mm-hmm. I noticed at the knife shows we were doing back when we just had fixed blades, the gal leg and the pony knife that a lot of attention was being paid to not just folding oh, knives so. but particularly folding knives, mechanical knives, with a unique mechanism. And so then, uh, started focusing on all the different ways that it might be possible to make a knife open and close. I think one of the, well, let's see, I guess the next one after that was? The toad. Oh, that's right. Okay, the toad, yeah. Well, the toad—that's one that never made prime time, uh, but it, and it was very complicated. But it had a talk. What's cool is we can actually,
0: we can actually share a screen here, so we'll actually pull up some photos and oh. stuff, so that'll show up for people Oh, I see. Too, okay.
2: So, uh, so the toad we'll too, uh, so. was a toggle-operated lock, and so mm-hmm. I, I begin by trying to marry the toggle locking mechanism to a folding knife. The toggle lock is used on different things. It's used on injection mold machines for one, because you have a lot of travel and you don't need a ton of pressure until you get to the last half inch or something. Uh, It's also, there's a big magnification of leverage through a toggle linkage. Uh, It's used in jaw crushers to crush ore, Uh, In mining, for example, used in a lot of different things, and so trying to marry that um, toggle mechanism to a folding knife uh, ended up as our first example we called the toad. It was a little bit awkward. The knife worked fine, uh, but uh but the mechanism was operated through a button that was attached to the toggle that ran in a window that was cut out in the side of the knife blade and that one uh it made it a little bit hard to operate you know i think i missed part of this story because i should have went to the catlock because that was the first toggle I'd...
1: oh that's true the, the catlock never saw the light of day at all yeah we it... made the the toad but the catlock because I know the toad, the cat lock. I don't think I know
2: any of that. Uh, and <laughs> neither does anyone else. Uh, and so we made that. Actually, I made that even before uh, we had a CNC machine. I made it all on well, a... Uh, even before the dog
1: lock. So and
2: Yeah, before the dog lock. And So I made that just on a manual mill. And it worked in a very, very complicated way. But what I was trying to get to is a folding knife with a sliding button. And when you slid the button back, it would actuate a mechanism that would send the blade through its entire nearly 180 degree travel and lock it. And so to do that, it had a toggle linkage inside the handle. But in order to translate the motion of a sliding button sliding to the rear, into a motion that would result in the toggle going through its cycle, uh, I had to use uh, first of all use the boss on the toggle, two bosses on the toggle, and then a sliding cam that was a sliding plate with cutouts in it that captured the buttons on the toggle. So as the slides moved to the rear, it by capturing that toggle and carrying it in a groove, it sent it through the right <laughs> yeah. motions to send the blade out and lock it up. So this first cat lock wasn't- Also, int-
1: also known as the mechanical marvel. So a s- few people we've shown that to, we'd, we'd bring them behind the table or the booth, and you know we'd hide underneath the table, and we'd operate this thing. It was twice scale,
2: so it was about 16 inches long or more. Uh, It it wasn't intended to be a knife. It was only intended as a prototype, uh, kind of a concept concept of the mechanism. Uh, But it worked remarkably well and surprisingly well. And when I first showed that to Chris Reeve <laughs> yeah that was fun <laughs> he just about I fainted. can't imagine <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> <Because clears throat> I'd already made the pony knife and the gal leg and Chris liked those but he was behind it and he thought that was pretty spiffy and maybe I had a chance after all but when we showed up there one afternoon with the cat lock and showed that to him he was standing up and the first thing he did was go find a place to sit down <laughs> he held it in his lap and just stared at it he just couldn't believe it he ran it back and forth and back and forth Uh, he said the mechanism reminded him of a German machine gun that somehow worked in a similar way Uh, he encouraged us to make the knife Not, not a real knife but just to make uh, a prototype, like the one we had made, only out of better materials, a large size, and again it must have been 16 inches when it was open, uh, just for collectors. We never actually did that, uh, and that knife uh, well, it was really complicated. Uh, so,
1: well, it was definitely beyond our capabilities
2: at the time. Yeah, we yes. we couldn't have made it. And so then that's when we made the decision to scale back and just get started with a simpler folder. And so that's how we got to the dog lock. Then after the dog lock, I was still a little fascinated with this toggle lock idea. And so then we designed the toad, which- Well, and
1: actually, so we took it to Gerber
2: so well and we did we t- yeah sure they loved it we too. took the uh catlock to gerber and they really liked it but uh, it was yeah, yeah. Um, they couldn't yeah, yeah it was it, just probably. not really feasible
1: yeah but they were they they were kind of influential in having us make something simpler so we
0: and at the time gerber was probably more open to that sort of thing too it's like a different yeah, world yeah uh,
2: maybe so uh Anyway, so that never really went anywhere. The catlock was—it doesn't really make sense as a production knife. Uh, but the toad, the toad showed promise, but it was also overly complicated. And I don't know how many of those we made. We probably—it's a cool-looking knife. Yeah, we probably you made a hundred of I, those, I always I wanted one.
1: Uh, we probably made. 100 150
2: Yeah, probably once.
0: Once in a blue moon, I'll see one go up, and it's always at the least <laughs> opportune oh. time for me to snag one. Yeah, you know?
2: yeah. They're, they're they're an interesting knife, uh, yeah. and a lot of people really really liked it, so it it had some fans out there.
1: Well, it was it was interesting because uh, it was so smooth, and and it was back. We were using mm-hmm. bushings and washers. Uh, but the the locking mechanism didn't drag on the blade at all so if you think of a liner lock or a lock back or any any type of yeah, lock no friction it's mm-hmm. always riding on the tang and then it falls into place but the uh, the toggle worry. lock <laughs> it's Jake's jake's mom is joining us for the very first time i didn't have
4: any say in that it just kind of happened
0: in the, in the in the history of the show i imagine jake's uh, truly lives in his episode. mom's basement that is, this, this is incredible it's actually funny because jake's mom is in jake's basement oh. right now. Yeah. that's good
4: she just came, came wandering yeah. down like why why are you being so quiet <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. Uh, sorry, it's messed. good. It's good. Uh, so, so yeah, the toggle mechanism—it uh, was all pivot points, and when the pivot points lined up, the knife would lock. Uh, so there was no drag on the blade. So it was just super smooth. Um, but that's one of the things that made it very difficult to make. Uh, you know, you, the the test for a folder was no blade play. Well, if you don't have a lock that's biasing the blade one way, then, uh, it's really hard. So if you take a lot of, uh, maybe not so much these days, but, but back in the day you could take a a knife with a frame lock that when it was open felt like there's no blade play, but you take the lock and you disengage it. There's a little bit of blade play on it. And so with the toad, Mm. uh, since we didn't have that biasing lock, uh any little bit of uh um tolerances that were off there'd be blade play so that was very tricky knife to make um we ended up actually going back several years later uh 10 years later uh and retrofitting some with bearings uh because that was that was the hardest part was assembling the damn things without (laughs) bearings and getting everything had to be perfect and parallel and you throw bearings in it, it was a cinch. <laughs> so uh, so I had leftover parts that I just could never get the knives to work, and I machined them out, threw some bearings in them, and, uh, and they worked great. Wow. So hmm. That's cool. I still want yeah. to track down one of those at some
0: point. Uh, so what came next? I know at some point you retrofitted one of your manual mills with a computer. Just so that you could have some sort of uh,
2: well, and I actually I, I bought the mill. I bought another mill that had a retrofit yeah. controller on it, so we didn't do right. it ourselves. Yeah, and that was yeah. Oh, you didn't do so
1: it I think we might have made it. Just seemed like something you guys would do. Yeah, you know so I mean? we bought it already retrofit yeah. and running. <laughs> uh, we might have made a couple of parts on that on the toad on that, uh, but that was mm. kind of towards the end or i guess i don't really know we i think we made, the we toad made quite on that. a
2: few knives because I, I i was thumbing through some of the old yeah uh programs and notebooks and so i i forgot too but
1: well we must have made the dog well we
2: well made we made the, the first dog ET. on it that's right
1: so the dog the dog was the first folder and that was made on that retrofit mill
2: yeah yeah
1: right and i think the et was the last one and that's what came next after the toad uh Probably the most bootlegged knife of yeah, all there's time. there's a lot of them.
3: Oh, yeah, there was a lot of fake ones of those. <laughs> yeah, I collect them. Especially once Kershaw made it. Yeah, I've got a whole yes. drawer full of knockoff ETs. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually brought that up in,
0: in past episodes that I think, Gavin, you are probably one of the only uh, knife makers that collects his own boot. I think they're so. great. Uh, they're... <laughs> S- I do, too. I, some of them are you know really I mean?
1: nice, and some of them are so horrible, it's just disgusting.
0: <laughs> just Do you ever find something that, wow, why didn't we do it that way? Do you ever look at one and say, like, wow, these guys uh, did it better than
2: we did? We've seen some good ideas. I can't think of one right now, but yeah, it's, I, it seemed like there were some ideas that looked pretty good.
1: Yeah, they've, there's a couple that...
2: You
0: know, in the... Go for it. All I was going to say is, like, I feel like sometimes in the pursuit of building something in a mass quantity where they go to simplify stuff so much, sometimes a little piece of gold comes yeah, out true. of that.
2: And I was wondering so, yeah. if maybe... You know. And We run into that a lot because... Uh, and, of course, uh. the longer we're in the game, the more we... The better understanding we have of how they're going to have to be made in a factory. But we've kind of learned that on the job and so when I'm we sure. do bring a design to a factory, we, uh, we end up making a lot of at least small changes for all of those kind of reasons. A fun project I've of always course.
1: wanted to yeah. do is is take one of those knockoffs and then copy that knockoff and make just a, <laughs> 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 just make a run of the just horrible,
2: <laughs> gross you, design. That would be <laughs>
0: incredible. <laughs> but, it's like a a knockoff of a yeah, knockoff. That that is uh that it's like knockoff inception. I'm so
3: into that. I'm looking at one right now, uh, an ET knockoff. It's it's uh it's something yes. to behold. <laughs> I would love to see this. Um and Kershaw Kershaw made a version of the ET, which is it's really interesting to think of how adventurous Kershaw used to be with their with with the ideas that they had using the uh the E.T. as a production yeah, they, night.
1: they probably learned their lesson on that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they, didn't, they still, I mean, up until a few years ago, they were putting the
1: Hawk Lock on stuff. Right?
0: That's right. Yeah. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it was yeah. the induction. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, so, I, I actually, that was the,
0: probably the last Kershaw I bought. Now I'm lying. I probably had a few, but that I actually that's the last Kershaw right. I liked.
3: Oh. <laughs>
1: Uh, so but, uh, so yeah. So the, I'm sorry, no, I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> so let's see. So the toad. So the ET came about uh, because we made. We were always trying to explain how the toad worked, and and so we made kind of a cutaway version that uh, you know we we machined the handles so that you could see the mechanism a little bit better, and mm. we'd take this to shows, uh, and people would go crazy over that. They, they just loved seeing the mechanism. Uh, seeing it. Like a watch yeah. guy thing, you know? You look at the exactly. back of a, Like an exhibition case back right. or so, something. Yeah. So then what we wanted to do was highlight that mechanism, and that's where the ET came about, is uh, not only can you see the mechanism, but it's, it's all exposed. It's, it's part of the handle. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's how that leap happened, was trying to showcase that mechanism even more. Extreme skeletonization. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Yep.
0: Very cool. Um, I want to do a little uh, divergence to the deadlock real quick. Gavin, do you remember uh, a conversation we had um, back when the deadlock was in its inception? Um, you started uh, posting, I think it was like some CAD drawings or something. I can't remember what it was. But we had talked about at one point uh, you doing like a plexiglass or a uh, polycarbonate version of the deadlock, so you could see the the mechanism on the inside. I still think that would be really uh,
1: cool. Yeah, that's that's uh, always been a goal. I just I've made a couple for myself just to understand the mechanism better Ooh. and and such. Um, I understand it's probably not the most. It's practical It's not very thing in practical. The uh, and then by no. the time I get around to that, I change the design so much, so I haven't. Design. I have stuck. Right. I haven't yeah. stuck to the same design uh, long enough to, to get there. And uh, now with the Model C, boy, I don't even know if it would. It would just be a curiosity. I, I don't think it would uh, last very long or work very well, but it would be pretty neat. Eh. I'm sure at some point the case could be made
0: to to bring make that a reality yeah, but uh, you know i I digress <laughs> just as we were talking about uh, you know exhibition knives it well, be really and the neat.
2: knife we made for or designed for Boker uh, had a toggle mechanism as well, and yeah, so when yeah. Boker first started making them, we were selling them here. And we got the idea of putting a clear polycarbonate ha- cl- uh, handle yes. on it grip, overlay, grip lock, right? And so, yep, the so grip lock. Gavin was mm-hmm. taking Boker knives and putting a, uh, the clear handles on them, and then Boker saw it and they liked it, so they actually manufactured them that way for a while. Put it in production. It, mm-hmm. And Gavin, it was probably around that time that we you were
0: talking about it, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's yeah, that that was a cool thing. Um, that was such a neat thing because I remember uh, the grip lock, right? right. That, uh, that 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 uh, oh. uh, I still have my Beatles. Yes. Um, that employs a very similar thing, right?
1: Yes. So the Where, the, the uh, beetle came first. Uh, so the beetle was kind of my uh, invention of non-locking knife but when you grip it that holds the blade open Uh, and then Mm. shortly after that uh, my dad started working on uh, a similar idea but using a toggle lock instead of uh, kind of a loose linkage
2: well then boker
0: where are we in the time? Am I, am I close to where we are in the timeline of the story? At this uh, point? We skipped. How, how many years? We skipped
1: skip? over a little bit. Yeah.
3: <laughs> skipped the late two thousands. Where do I need to go at this point? Here, Kershaw Ram. There were that. I feel like that. Oh, the Ram. kind of. That was mid two thousands. That all
2: kind of began with the mud, the mud knife, and so mud. starting yes. off.
0: We can't not talk about the mud. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. so starting off, uh, I was looking hard at some way that a knife could be sealed from dirt and sand and so on, because that's one of the problems that I've seen with a folding knife as opposed to a fixed blade, is that they could get fouled with debris and so on. So while trying to figure out how to get a mechanism... That was entirely enclosed within the handle. Uh, came up with this, uh, with the what they ended up calling the hawk lock. That had uh, it, they just use a sliding plate under the cover of the handle, and then we sealed the button that actuates the lock with a rubber-like bellows type part and and put seals uh, on both sides of the blade where the interface with the handle so that that way dirt or even water for that matter I guess if you left it in water long enough you'd probably get in uh, but just dipping it in and out of water or washing it off or rinsing sand off of it um, it, it worked beautifully our first few shows with with the mud knife we took a cookie tray full of wet sand and you could actually just play in it. You could put the knife in the sand, you could pack wet sand in between the handle and the blade and uh, every place you could find it. And you couldn't tell the difference. It just opened and closed perfectly. So, so cool. a lot of people liked that. That was kind of a big hit. Chris Reeve, incidentally, really liked the mud knife. <laughs> uh, and Kershaw liked it. And they adopted a a version. They made a slightly larger, or quite a bit bigger, actually, than what we made. The ZT500. Yeah, for their zero-tolerance line. Uh, And they made them for several years. I think they were experiencing some manufacturing problems, uh, uh, maybe with the bellows. I think that was a problem uh, with the production knives. There were problems with it, but when they functioned well, They solved a big problem for a lot of people who are working in uh, dirty environments.
0: That was a cool knife. That was one was on my bucket list when I was uh, back when ZT was a a big name in the industry um, and really pushing the limits of production. Oh, right. Uh Um, Yeah, that was a that was a a a grail knife for me, as they say. Yeah.
2: Count. Yeah. yeah, well, it worked out well. And then from there, we liked the mechanism. Uh, Kershaw liked the mechanism. And so then uh, we came up with the ram, which uses the same mechanism as the mud knife, but without the seals, and, uh, and turned it into a flipper. And so that worked pretty well, too. It was nice in a way because the plate that does the locking uh has a cam face on it that uh you can control uh the exact uh point of release when you uh when you flip the knife so most flippers work of course as we know on a ball bearing that fits into a a detent but it's either it's an either or as soon as it the pressure builds to a certain point then it pops out and it's all over but with the RAM uh, because we have more surface area on the face of the cam that interfaces with a pin on the blade that we can drag out that release moment over a longer period of time and therefore give it a profile pressure so that you can control the feel of it so if you put your finger on the flipper and you start to increase the pressure more and more and more it starts to move just a little and then it moves a lot and so it's not like it's hard locked into a hole until it moves all at once It ramps out and as soon as it ramps out well then it flips out the rest of the way so it gives a different feel entirely to a flipper than one that's locked yeah. in with a simple yes-or-no lock. Definitely
0: a very unique experience, even now. I know Dave is a huge oh, fan yeah. the Ram, of, the, of the RAM. Yeah,
3: yeah, it was what, me, one of the first knives I bought uh, when I started collecting, and it was because nothing really flipped particularly well back then, um, at least in the production world. It was like a revelation. Oh. It was truly uh-huh. like... Completely different from anything else that was available in terms of flipping. It was so
2: cool. I really yeah, that and enough. that was why is because we had some room and flexibility to control that uh, disconnect over a period of time instead of an instant.
1: Yeah, and the, the other nice thing mm-hmm. about it, that mechanism is that uh, again there was there's no lock writing on the tang. Uh, and so there's two pins in the blade, and so once, once the uh, the detent or the cam plate is uh, is no longer riding on that pin, and the blade's released, there's nothing riding on that blade, and so it, it rotates all the way to the to the open position, and then it pushes the lock out of the way, and then it and then it engages, and so you know you have a a frame lock or something. Well, even after it breaks the detent, the the blade is being slowed down by the lock itself because it's continually putting pressure on the tang. Um, So that's another thing that allowed the, the ram to just open so crisp and fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, we often wonder how this stuff uh, just doesn't uh, get produced again. And it has to just be down to cost of production at this point. Because
1: yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, for Kershaw, you know, they can make a, a frame lock or a, or a liner lock, and mm-hmm. you know, they know how to make them. They can make them in the you know hundreds of thousands, and they can turn just them turn out. them out. Yeah. Um, not that the Ram yeah. w- or the Hawk lock was necessarily difficult. Sure, relatively, it's, it's speaking, pretty simple right. knife. Right, um, but but then when you get into the mass market, uh, people don't generally like gadgets they They want something they're used to, and everybody's used to lockbacks and liner locks so uh it's very rare like if you go to Walmart or Cabela's to see a new locking mechanism um,
0: I'll tell you guys a funny story uh you 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 both will appreciate this so at work the other day uh, this lady I was talking to um this woman she, uh somehow I, I guess it's my tattoo they always ask like So what's the story with the knives? So I tell them, you know, it turns into this whole thing. And she's like, oh my gosh, no way. I actually have a knife. And she's like, I opened it, and I have no way, (laughs) I I have no idea how to close it. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. And I'm like, okay, all right. So anyway, so anyway, I ended up, she was like, can I have your number? And I was like, all right, I see how where this is going to go. So anyway, I... I did give her my number, and she ended up sending me a picture of the knife. It's a Gerber Paraframe. <laughs> yeah, <the names>. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Like, let me let show you the picture because it's even it's it's funnier with the imagery.
3: The great um, irony is that. In the cust—I mean, in the, in the collector market or enthusiast market, everyone is so sick of traditional locking mechanisms, and everyone's yes. clamoring for yes. alternatives. And then, as soon as you hit the mass market, if it's not a liner lock or a back lock, people just lose their minds and have no—they idea just have what to no do with clue. It.
1: Yeah, they, they start yeah, pushing it's... screws and like they just they just don't know. So uh, <laughs> it was it was hard to get a, a, a strange unique mechanism in the mass market. Um, and so, like our best-selling factory knife uh, is the Select Fire, um, which is it is a liner uh, lock, mm. and we've sold more of those than everything else combined.
0: <laughs> that thing is just, pardon me,
1: is a badass knife. I still wish I. Could what do you mean? How can you not get one? They're they're like Select Fire. You go yeah. on Amazon right now.
0: Oh, you know what? $32. I'm Thirty-two dollars. You know
1: what I'm thinking of. I was gonna I'm say, sorry. yeah, that one's yeah. super easy to get, uh, and and they keep making it. Yeah. I mean, every every quarter we get our check, and we're like, wow, you really sold that many again? Really? Wow, that's great. <laughs> it's. That's I, have, great. I think I
4: have two of those here, uh, in various stages of disassembly from the uh, same <laughs> same culprit, Chris Kelly, as always somehow he managed to buy a copy like a clone of one that was a very low quality uh uh-huh. i don't even think he did it on purpose i think it was like an ebay thing or whatever um and mm-hmm. and a real one he had a real one and then when we were trying to swap parts and try and make one functional one at it but it was uh it was quite a nightmare but so i i do have some pieces of those around yeah. somewhere <laughs>
1: yeah it's neat it's it's a great knife and i uh you know in in our little town here we have uh oh look there it oh, is oh yeah
4: there's a the little driver <laughs> this is from the real one
1: <laughs> uh just but here in our town you know there's not a lot of guys that are gals that have our knives um but they have the select fire um and yeah they carry them all the time it's great it's crazy. Yeah. I, it's
4: a little I, bit I never owned It's one. a bit like Liang's uh Eaton tool. It's
0: it's very Yeah, the Eaton <laughs> Yes, tool.
3: The, the ubiquitous pick tool. Mass.
0: It is the hawk equivalent of the Eaton huh. tool. <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
1: laughs> sure, sure, sure it is. <laughs> but you,
0: but you can actually cut stuff with it.
1: <laughs> huh.
3: Uh, where did where does the Buck mar- uh, Buck Marksman fit in there cuz Buck is not a company I tend to think of as one that takes risks. But, Obviously uh, that
0: comes later. If yeah. my if my if my uh, tangent <laughs> going on to the
1: Beetle.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I jumped too quite far a few off. years there. Well, as technically
1: well. it, it came after the Select Fire. Uh, bec- because the that's Select true. Fire was the last last design we did with Kershaw, not not counting the induction, Kershaw. Uh, the induction was actually an in-house design um, uh, for Kershaw, and so it had the Hawk lock. But uh, uh, oh, what's his name, Jim McNair? I think uh, yep. he—he's the one that designed the induction. Um, but yeah, so by
0: yeah, I it didn't it didn't have the Hawk flare in yeah. the
1: design. It just had the the cool yeah. look uh and so so yeah and then that came the the marksman um we did skip over a few i guess we had the we missed the KAT, which was the last design we did with columbia river uh and then we jumped Mm. over to kershaw we had the et the mud knife the ram the uh 0650 st which was kind of a uh it was a it was a switchblade in the zt line it had uh, a hawk, a modified. Oh yes, a modified hawk. Lock. Yes, I remember so that. one it, I uh,
3: forgot about this one.
1: Wow, that was that's yeah, a rare. There's not very many of those. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. But the
1: neat thing about that is it had it was an automatic, uh, and the safety was integral to the firing mechanism. So the you'd push the button over to the right, uh, and then pull back on it, and that would fire it. Uh, and so you could do that all in one motion. Uh, and and you didn't need a safety on on the button.
0: I don't recall
4: handling one of these, Levon.
1: We we didn't. They're no, we never rare. did, Jake.
0: You know, for a while you could get them, but you know, uh, Gavin, we're in Pennsylvania, oh. which is a non-auto legal. Right. Uh, you can own them, you just can't carry them. So at the time, I wasn't collecting things just on yeah. mass. You know what I mean? So. I really was buying stuff that I could actually carry and, and use all the time, and so that was not on my radar. Even though yeah. I liked it,
1: and then even more so, rare than the, that, was one that really is went the Emerson collaboration that Z that uh, right. ZT did. So it was uh, an Emerson Auto made by ZT with the Hawklock Crossfire mechanism. I think I've... there was.
3: Damn, un- I've never heard of
1: this. 500 Are of we- them. Is my,
0: is, is my brain
1: yeah, I'm never- failing me? <laughs> when did this happen? I think
3: if you just... Hold you on. Set,
1: uh, Emerson Hawklock, maybe? The
3: Emerson Auto yes. Commander? Yeah, that's... Oh. Oh, this looks somewhat familiar, but m- wow. Maybe... This oh, one, yeah. pa- this one passed maybe me. Maybe there was completely. a thousand
1: of those made, but not very many.
0: S- okay, 2000- two thousand. Came out
3: two thousand nine. That,
0: that was early. That was early. Yeah, that was yeah. before I was collecting. a Few years. Yeah, that was like wow. just as because Jake, when when did we really start? Like two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Yeah, it was so right maybe that right was, around when yeah. I,
4: when Kate and I bought our house, which was oh nine, so it was like
0: two thousand ten. Yeah. We had owned knives prior, but we weren't yeah. really like in the. That's that's a pretty rare the, one. That's the,
1: uh, not very many people have seen that one. I I go by that's a cool. I knife. go by
4: when I for, when I built my first display case for knives, which was around 2010, and then forced you into it. Wow.
0: <laughs> uh, that might be the coolest Emerson I've ever seen.
4: That, that's <laughs> that's so that cool. reeks of USA made, <laughs> Herschel from that from yeah, that period. Uh yeah. I want this. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's I
1: always a thought beautiful. it was a little strange cuz they insisted on having like kind of a wave on it, but not a wave like <laughs> yeah, uh, just for I branding t- like for I tried talking this, yeah. about it. I'm like, just reshape the blade so there's not like a weird step there and
3: a little, a little hump. hump. It was, yeah. It was Can weird. we t-
0: I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up. Cause how do some of these collaborations come about? Like who approaches who? And how does it uh is it purely the manufacturer saying, Look, we have this design, we'd like to have you make this work Uh
1: no it's it's generally so so the first one with Columbia River of course, uh it was a friend of Rod Bremmer's that uh knew us. And so that's kinda what what got that together. Um and then once you're Mm -hmm. working with a company, uh they'll say, Hey, we'd really like a fixed blade or you know, we'd like this or that and they kind of throw some ideas at you um with kershaw we actually went to kershaw because ken onion talked us into it um because he was there Mm. at the time it worked well for him yeah and so uh he yeah he was a big part in talking us into going to kershaw um (laughs) and then about the time we got to kershaw he left (laughs) uh and uh (laughs) and so we were them for quite a while but we had a we had a good relationship with kershaw so it was um we, we essentially uh had a first right of refusal with them uh not a not a real contract but just kind of as a, a gentleman's agreement that we would show them new designs first um and and we were very much trying to come up with knives or designs for companies to make um and then and then after that, uh, companies were just continually approaching us, asking us to collaborate with them, uh, and yeah.
0: Because I remember when I had started uh, collecting knives, it was very few and far between that I would see like a cut, like a custom or a, or a something coming out of the Hawk Shop. Even though they still existed, it was more along the lines of I guess you guys were focusing on getting knives in uh designs for
1: production yeah i mean yes and no and so every design that went to a went to a factory we made a group of them uh and and so essentially what we would do uh you know because it takes a while for royalties to come in uh by the you know you make the knife you send it to them you sign the contract uh it takes them a year maybe two years to get into production and then you know, they ship them off to... They make a small run of them. They ship them to distributors. Distributors have 90 days Ninety days to pay. The distributor yeah. finally pays, and then we get paid at the end of that quarter, however it lands. And so, by yeah, by the time you give them a design, it could be three or four years before you get any money. Uh, and, and so right. what we <laughs> would do is, uh, you know, we'd make the knives and then sell those, and that would give us money in our pocket... Uh, and then we knew that someday we'd get paid on that design from the factory, uh, and then we'd go on to the next design. Um, and, uh, and, and there was, it might've just been my perception of being less. I keyed think so. Into, yeah. Cause we, we had several, um, like shows and stuff like that. We had several designs know? that didn't actually make it into production. Um, there was like the Sam, which was, uh, an auto, a lot like the 0650, um and there was the task and uh, there, there was a whole bunch of them that never quite made them into factory knives um mm. or or we made like three versions of the ram for instance uh and only one version made it into a production knife um so interesting yeah
0: um so from there uh how did the I feel like there was a, a changeover to where you guys started to, I don't know, modernize the way you guys started to make stuff and the partnerships with other manufacturers to build your own knives, like Millet and things like that. Um, how did that all come about?
1: Uh, so that was, let's see, I think the first design we did with Millet was the mud knife uh and so (laughs) kershaw or ct rather had discontinued the mud knife uh, but there still was quite a bit of demand for it Uh, so we we teamed up with millet and they started making um well actually i guess first so millet approached us and they wanted to make the pony knife Um, and so we licensed the pony knife to them uh, I remember and, that, and so yeah. they made that for mm-hmm. a while and then they they made some modifications and called it the slim line uh so they made it a little bit thinner uh and then just seeing you know the quality that they were doing and and uh what they were capable of doing, we decided to uh start having a make the the mud knife and then and then they made some beetles um so we made kind of a mid tech beetle uh yep somewhere. Around, I can't remember. Right? What, God, it seems like we did another design with them after that. Um, well, I, had, oh, the I Orbit. had all of them. So we did the Orbit the, with them. The Orbit. Oh, the Orbit. Ooh, the the Orbit. Asset, and then there was the Auto Yes, mud. and then the Auto Mud. And, then yeah. the, uh, and that was all about the same time we were making OTFs, uh, or the Deadlock. Mm-hmm. And so we... Uh, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do if we wanted to license the deadlock or if we wanted to make them ourselves or have Millet make them. And so we kind of landed on having Millet Mm -hmm. make them, uh, which is kind of where the model B came from. So I was making a big push to make it a little bit easier to manufacture. Uh, I fell a little short of that. It was, it still would have been difficult for anybody else to make that knife. Um, but about that time Millet, uh, had started taking on a lot of projects. And we could kind of see the writing on the wall that they weren't, they, they just weren't quite big enough to, to produce those that volume of knives, and right. uh, and and so they got into a little bit of trouble uh, as far as getting things out the door, um, mainly with that uh, folding karambit, um, and I think they're still assembling a few of those damn things, um, but uh, to their credit, you know, they that was a hard knife for them to make. And I think they ended up losing money on it, but they they're still assembling them and and trying to get them out the door. They're, they're still getting them d- out there. I'll, I'll still getting them that. done. They lose yeah. money on every one, uh, but uh, at least that's. Would you imagine if they were trying to assemble blocks right the block now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be tough. Uh, but that was that was kind of <laughs> well. when we decided that. oh, Okay, we need to uh, we need to quit relying on somebody else to make our stuff, and and we need to do it in house. So. We went and put a deposit on a brand new machine and uh we built another smaller shop where we we had uh a little bit cleaner space and um and yeah bought our first new haas we had had a haas uh, that we had actually traded uh kershaw out of it was a one of their old machines they were getting rid of it Uh, and so we uh traded royal kershaw or sorry et royalties for it um and, and so that was our first mm. real machine um, And we had been using cool. that for years um, Which, it was a great machine and, and actually it was only probably Six or seven months ago That we finally tore it all apart And scrapped most of it um, but, but anyways, uh, yeah We decided to buy our own machines Hire our own employees And, and start making deadlocks ourselves uh, and so that was probably three or four years ago ish, three years ago. Just,
0: yeah, it's crazy how much time has passed. Um, it feels much like a shorter period of time. And you look at the evolution just of the Deadlock, which also, which even in the prototype phase, which I had, still felt like the most advanced uh, OTF on the market to where I'm sitting here with this other prototype of the model C it's, it's, it's a, you, you can't physically tell someone, uh, how much of a difference it actually feels like, but it is astronomical. Can we talk a little bit about, uh, I know we're fast forwarding in time here, but I think a big majority of the audience wants to hear about the deadlock, you know, and how you guys are, uh, Moving along with it, and what the future looks like for it. So yeah. can we talk a little bit about how it started and yeah? Where it
1: so, came uh, so the deadlock project actually started from a request by Kershaw. Um, they uh, they wanted to make a an OTF, and they had talked to us about it, and so uh, we came home and started thinking about it, and uh, the goal ended up being let's make one that locks up solid um and and so we started on that uh and we still have that original prototype um and and it was actually the first first project i ever made with the hawes um and and i think it took us i don't i don't remember how long you took designing my dad primarily designed that first mechanism
2: yeah Uh, it went on forever Uh, yeah I, i don't know (laughs) <laughs> it, well, it was a really hard thing to make. It was a hard thing to make work. It was I can't imagine poorly uh, conceived. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, we never got it to work right. We never lo- really liked it. Ben Kershaw called back and said, "Well, never mind." Uh, our legal department decided that we shouldn't be making OTFs anyway.
1: Yeah, so they kind of dropped the whole idea of making automatics, and so so we we spent probably. I know I spent a full month just making the first prototype, um, and and then we tweaked the design for quite a bit, and it, we could get it to lock up solid, and we could get it to go in and out, but we couldn't get it to do that at the same time. <laughs> so uh, so we gave up on that, uh, and we kind of ran out of money because you know when you're <laughs> when you're just working on one design and you're not making money or knives, yeah. uh, so we we kind of bagged the whole project for at least a year, maybe even yeah, two or, more th- or like two years. Yeah, two or three years. We just kind of let it go to the side, and then and then we jumped back into it with more determination, um, and so that's where the model A came in. Uh, so we made that. We made fourteen prototypes, uh, and. And we accomplished the goal, but it was really complicated. Um, it was just it was a hard knife to make, a um, lot of parts. Uh, uh, but but again, we we had made something that that worked. Uh, and then from there, it's just been a, a continual evolution. Uh, you know, we made so we made fourteen prototypes, and then we made I don't know maybe thirty or forty in that next batch. Uh, completely different inside, uh, or not, well, quite a bit different inside, same concept, but, uh, a lot less parts. Uh, and then the next batch, uh, totally re-engineered everything. Uh, and every subsequent batch of the model a, the insides are completely different. Um, because we're trying <laughs> essentially a different, yeah, knife it, it looks point, the same right? on the outside uh, we made yeah. a few different variations on the outside, but but pretty much the outside stayed the same, but the inside was evolving every single time because we'd make we'd make all the parts and then assemble all the parts and then figure out what went wrong, what was difficult, what parts just were you know you just couldn't hardly make them to the right tolerances, uh, and then and then we'd try again, and so each time to- each batch was a learning experience, um, and. Uh, I'm hoping someday to do kind of a video series where I take apart, you know, the Model A, talk about it, and then take apart the Gen One, and then talk about the changes, improvements, and just kind of go through each one. Um, uh, you know, some of them had very little changes, some have had huge changes. Um, and and I remember
0: I remember when the Model B uh, started to get rolling. Uh, it was one. It the Something that blew my mind was that you almost encouraged uh, the ability to take it apart, clean it, and put it back together, which was something that I had never heard of any OTF uh, being able to be done. And
1: and that actually happened while making the Model A's. I think it was probably (laughs) the fourth generation of the Model A that was the new design intent was, let's make this so that anybody can take it apart. Uh, and so we, uh, you know, I I had little E clips on things holding parts together. Uh, but it was a very conscious effort to make it so that if somebody took this apart, there wasn't going to be a spring that flew across the room. Uh, and, and, and that it was just simple and straightforward. Uh, you could all, you won't end up disassembled in Jake's drawer. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, and like there was, uh, you know, the parts would only fit one way. You couldn't put them in backwards. And so there was just a lot of thought in that whole stack up of all the parts that it could only go together one way and it was easy to assemble. Um, and, and Mm. so I think that was, yeah, fourth generation uh, of the model a, um, and then, and then the model B again, that was kind of, uh, I redesigned that with the intent of millet making it. Um, And and then that kind of all fell apart. Uh, So we we started making them. And and I think we only had three generations of the Model B uh, with very little minor tweaks in between stuff. Um, And then that gets us to the Model C, uh, which we... uh, So essentially I had taken the Model B as far as I could go with that platform. So with the three-piece stack up, you know, we had... uh, Two, two overlays or two handles and then a, and then a center frame. Uh, and uh, I, I just couldn't evolve that system anymore. So we threw all those apart away and started from the ground up with the Model C, which is uh, a two-piece system, uh, which gives a lot more rigidity to things, which uh, eh, just simplifies. Even though you decided to a massive downgrade right. in materials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah. People are really hung up on the idea that everything should be made out of yeah. titanium and unreal. You know, and I've had some yeah. some people are you know they 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 try and say, oh, you just went to it because it's easier to make or whatever. But no, it's the aluminum is a better material choice. It's like the other day I was thinking about it. Uh, you know, there's a few parts in an airplane that are made out of titanium. But they don't make the whole plane out of titanium, and there's a reason for that because it's not the best material for everything on the plane, uh, and and that's uh, the case here is that the best material is is a hard anodized aluminum. Uh, right, and it's and it's seventy yeah, it's, it's, right? it's, yeah, it's seventy five, right? Yeah, seventy seventy five. It it's, it's, it's it's type three yeah. hard anodizing. Yeah, um, it's it's an amazing material, but I mean, if you. Yeah, if you drop it, it's going to dent. But if you drop titanium, it's going to dent as well. So it's, right. uh, it, it's just a weird perception that people have, have come to think that titanium is, is the end-all of everything. And I think it's just because it sounds like It's a titanium. cool name. It's got the word titanium in it. It's a great name. It is a great name. Uh, uh, yes. but, uh, but for the the mechanics or what I need in an OTF is I need the slick channel. Uh, and and so the slicker that channel is, the better it performs. Uh, and titanium is gummy. It's, it's sticky. Um, it's, notorious yeah, it's notorious for galling.
3: And mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody should know yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's why there's,
1: mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, people were carbonizing their... Yeah, that's why steel lock yeah, faces. Yeah, like that's exist. why that's a, a thing.
0: I, I don't understand when people can't get that through yeah. their
1: heads. Uh, And so it's the same thing with an OTF. And so I was carbonizing the inside, and then we sand it as smooth as you could get it. Oh my god! Uh, but it it makes it slow, right. and and uh, and part of that of it being slow, it magnifies other issues. Uh, so if there's uh, I don't know, it's hard to get into the, the nitty-gritty details of it, but uh, oh, well, it's just a, <laughs> it's it's hard to explain <laughs> so that you can understand without having a knife there and taking it apart. But essentially, you know, if there's anything that's Don't, yeah, don't right. tempt me, Gavin! <laughs> don't tempt me! Uh, if there's anything that's off, the knife won't work in a Model B. And so it takes a lot of extra effort to, to make it function. So in assembly... You know, it, it was a, a a pretty big ordeal to get one of these assembled. Even if all the parts are perfect, it just doesn't. It doesn't just assemble. Um, and and a lot of that had to do with the the nature of the blade channel and it being a little rough and not smooth. So switching to the aluminum, uh, now I have this really smooth uh channel and and if something's off just a little bit it still works beautifully you, you just you won't even notice stuff like you just drop yeah, it in right. almost when it's you're putting it together still not quite that yeah, easy but yeah. uh but it is so yeah. much easier closer yes. um, yeah, that's cool and so that that gets us into a world where we can actually produce these things and and you know that's what everybody wanted yeah. everybody wanted me to make this so that I can produce them faster well uh the aluminum is what what does that and not because it's easier to machine aluminum. It's because of the anodized surface. Um, it Right. And and the cost did come down, yeah, too. Yeah, and it's you know it's a I mean? weird comparison like, because, uh, you know, we were on a Model B with a single edge. We were at 1150 but on a double edge, we were 1250 mm-hmm. And so on the new Model Cs, we're, we're double edge only for now. Uh, and so it's two hundred.
0: As it should I, be, I,
1: I agree. Uh But some people insist on a single edge, so we'll we'll probably make a few. But but anyways, so we're two hundred fifty dollars sure. less than where the Model B was at.
0: I mean, that's yeah. significant and you can get it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I I don't understand. I don't know what there is to complain about. You get an, an you know
1: a better knife right. for less money. Yes. Uh, I agree 100%. And you know, uh, when people actually handle it and play with it at a show, especially if they've had a Model B yeah. or played with a Model B, they instantly understand that, yeah, this is a step above. This is a better functioning, smoother. <laughs> uh, it feels better, sounds better. Everything about it is, is better.
4: Aside from the lack of rubies on the <laughs> hardware. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: He'll never let me live that one down. Yeah. And so the
1: Ruby, that's an interesting point. So uh, when I made the first prototypes, I did not want anybody to take it apart. It was it sure. was so that's complicated true. in there. You, you start taking that apart, and you're not going to be able to get it to go back together. Like, it's just very, very few people would have been able to put it back together. Um, and so I was very purposeful in, in putting... Gluing little rubies in all the screws uh, so that you couldn't take <laughs> this thing apart. Um, and Unless you wanted to shatter the rubies. And, and then that's and what you have to, to do. And, and I actually had at the first Blade right. Show uh, where we debuted that I had one that was giving me problems, uh, but it was sold already. And so we went to oh, the wow. to Low, our Home Depot and cool. I bought a hammer and because so, I didn't bring any tools with me, but I yeah, I brought a hammer and oh some God. Allen keys, and we went up to Matt Diskin's room, and everybody looked at ho- Yeah Always Matt Diskin. Matt Diskin is always involved in any <laughs> sort right. of debauchery. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, they all looked in horror as I had this, you know, seventeen, eighteen hundred dollar knife, and I'm swinging a hammer at it and breaking these little rubies. <laughs> <laughs> So I broke the rubies, took the knife apart, (laughs) fixed whatever was wrong, and then glued new rubies in it, and it was fine. And the the owner never had any clue. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't mine then. I don't don't know whose it was. I don't remember. But they had bought it, and they're like, well, you can keep it at the table. And then it it quit working. And I was like, (laughs) oh, great. So anyways, I was able to. It's a prototype for a reason. There you go. Uh, That's
0: amazing. Yeah, uh, so you guys are now in full production mode, huh? So you have a little team there that's, that's building right. the yeah, stuff. That's right. Yeah,
1: we have. Uh, I guess there's. That's a big. Deal nine employees, for you including myself. Just, uh, wow. We've got. I've got three wow. Haases. We have another one on its way, which will be delivered in less than a month. Um, and yeah, we're we're going for it. We're trying to make as many of these as we can. Um, Another interesting thing that I don't think many people know. Uh, so the property we're on, when my dad bought it, uh, had a shop and a trailer park. And so we bought this uh, bought the property mainly for the shop. Um, and then it happened to come with this trailer park. Uh, but now all, almost all, all but one of our employees lives in the park and works, works for us. And so we've kind of... Oh. Yeah, we essentially company have town. a little company town. Uh, it's like a little community, um, and everybody walks to work. Uh, we've got we do like little barbecues. Uh, we got a community little hot tub, um, you know. And, and kids have you I'm know moving. they have families, and uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. We've got we, we're building a, a, a knife cult here in Idaho City. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: God. This is this is un, this is unprecedented. I love this. And uh, the TP I guess gets used is there like town hall meetings
1: that uh, no. No. If not uh, there should be. Yeah, we could start having all our company meetings in the in the TP out back. <laughs> I feel like I feel like everybody should have a TP experience at least once. They're pretty neat. They're,
0: they're nice. Yes. Um, a slightly more on topic uh, question. Grant, I have a Mm. question for you. Seeing the industry uh, sort of evolve uh, from the production standpoint and the the customs and everything else and the technology used to produce this stuff, what's the biggest change that you've seen? Um, And how have you specifically uh, adapted to it? Do you uh, uh, still... Design stuff in a analog way I mean I'm sure maybe you don't you fill in graph paper anymore uh, but do you uh, embrace a lot of technology well, not or? much
2: i'm you a know. a slow bloomer in the electronic age uh, but I have a uh, I have an old dos 2d program that I've done all of the drawing in and I actually worked with a later version in Bobcad for a while, but it had way more options than I really needed, and I was just so comfortable with my old simple-minded program that already did everything that I needed to do that uh, I still have Mm. it on my antique steam-powered computer back here behind me, I don't. know, It's got a tube in it, like a TV set. Uh, anyway, that's uh, great. That's the way
0: those monitors go for big money now. Well, you know probably
2: that. it'll probably be an antique pretty soon. <laughs> but anyway, I'm a little slow. To, it's every, it probably yeah, already. Is. I'm a little slow to adopt, I guess, to a lot of this stuff. But I, no,
0: that's that's very cool. I, I think from a design perspective, a lot of um, being. I always say this, like being limiting your tools actually sort of cultivates a lot of creativity because you you're not overwhelmed by everything in front of you um do you guys well at least
2: i do Uh, i mean everybody else around here has got a thousand more buttons than i do but but i I like the (laughs) idea of just knowing intuitively what I'm doing and what I need and I don't have to wade my way through a bunch of things I don't need to get to what I do and uh, Mm. Gavin will take my drawings off of this computer and put it in his computer and yeah and load it in you know he's got fancier software and he can write machine code and you know go from there but uh, but just a 2D drawing program has worked fine for everything we've done very cool. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, as far as the industry question, like what do you guys see as the biggest change over the course of your careers? In-
2: yeah, your I don't know. I'd have to wonder about that question for a bit. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, fair. Uh, it is sort of philosophical uh, well, at yeah, this point. That and, uh, <laughs> and just remembering all of the moves that it made. I know it's changed a lot since I first started making knives. And if I were to start today from scratch, looking at where it all is at this point, I might not be so quick to jump into the arena. Uh, People are making some really wonderful stuff. Well, they were were making some good stuff earlier too, but, uh, but anyway, now it's a lot more competitive, and there's a lot more about it that I wouldn't know at all if I was starting today I'd probably go back to gold mining for a little bit longer or something.
1: Yeah, and and I think for me that what I've seen is uh, when we first started, there was a lot more makers that were doing everything by hand. And so it took, not only did you need to be artistic, uh, but you had to be an excellent craftsman as well. And and now, uh, any almost any good designer can buy a CNC mill or... Or have their buddy that has a CNC mill, or or go to China, um, uh, but they can uh, artistic people can jump in there with uh, a good style uh, and and design something on a computer, and one way or the other it can be made without them having to be craftsmen, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you know, there's uh, I I mean I I appreciate the the designs that a lot of people are coming up with and. Uh, you know, that's their strong skill is design. And so they can jump in and design something really cool. And then and then it can be made on a haws or uh, whatever. And if they decide they want to start making knives, all they have to do is put a down payment on a machine. And, and now they're a knife maker. Um, even to the point right. where a lot of people are, you know, machining their bevels. Uh, you know, they don't even have to uh, know how to grind a bevel anymore. So that's I think that's a big change in the industry. Is just the the tools have gotten so much better that uh, anybody that has an inclination to do it can do it. Um, so that's that, I think that's been good. It's a lot of competition a lot of, and, and a lot, but it's yeah. But because of all the competition, it's it's made for some really great designs.
0: Yes, and I, to counter that is not counter, but add to it. I think the industry itself has gotten bigger. Like the fan base has gotten larger due to things like social media and things like that as well. But um, where I think you guys were part of a a pivotal point in the industry where it went from everything being a very traditional, almost gate-kept industry to technology and things starting to be more embraced and more modern ideas starting to be... uh, uh, accepted um at least that's the way i see your mark on the industry you know people call you guys the uh, mad scientists of the knife world i do believe that that is a yeah. <laughs> uh an accurate uh it's funny because i remember chris reeve
1: uh, a long time ago he said someday you guys are going to be the, known for the mechanisms and the mad geniuses of the industry
0: and I think that that uh, the deadlock is a uh, a huge exclamation point, to, or not even an exclamation point, but it's a it's a it's a flag in the ground of where you guys are headed, not where anything is. You know, this is this right. is the beginning of what Hawk Knives
1: legacy. Yeah, it's is going it's to weird, be, you know? know, because we went from uh, since I was I don't know. Well, we we started this when I was about twelve. And I think when I was about sixteen, is when we started coming up with new mechanisms, and we were coming up with uh, two or three new mechanisms a year, every year, all the time, uh, almost every show we went to, we had a new knife and a new mechanism, and
0: it can't be sustainable.
1: Well, it you wouldn't think be. so, but it, uh, we, you know, we no. never ran out of ideas. We just got. Uh, stuck on the deadlock and so we've been doing the deadlock for God, six or seven years now um, but the ideas haven't stopped it's just we haven't had time to work on anything else um, and you know I, I'll every once in a while I'll be like oh it'd be, it'd be nice to make this new mechanism here but it's it wouldn't do as well as the deadlock's doing and so it's really hard to so what you're saying is things are waiting yes. in the wings. Yeah, we, we're not done coming up with new ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll we'll see if the uh, you know the, the idea is to get the deadlock just kind of s- smoothed out and and working yeah. great so that you know every every month we're pumping out x amount of those. Uh, yeah. What run are you on with the?
0: It seemed to be a pretty quick turnaround from the first prototypes to
1: the to the first one, Yeah, so so the transition from the Model B to the Model C took us about three months. Uh, So, you know, we had to finish making all the parts for the Model Bs, which which meant we weren't ordering new material. There wasn't stuff in the pipeline. So everything just... We ran out of all the stock, and then we started working on Model Cs. Uh, So it took a while to... You know, order all the materials, get them sent out for all the outside services, and then start machining them all. Um, and and we're doing a batch of a thousand of them, uh, which is uh, quite a bit for a first batch. It's a good. That's. That's, that's a, a good yeah. Number. It's a big yeah. number. Uh, and so we were about a month, maybe month and a half into that before we we finally took deposits, uh, and then. And then after that, I think we were two months when we first started shipping. And that was, we've only been shipping Model Cs, uh, let's see, right after USN was the was the first shipment of Model Cs. Wow. Um, and, gotcha. And now we're, we're still kind of priming the pump. So we'll have a week where we have all the parts and we assemble all the, the knives for that week. And then we run out of a part. And then we finally get that, and then we're back to assembly. so we're we're still trying to catch up uh, and get into a rhythm of uh, of getting Model Cs just flowing. but uh, but it was still pretty quick uh, to it's gotta feel good too though. like you guys are in control yes. of
0: it. even if there's a hiccup. you know it's something that right. you can handle. it's not it's not on anybody else. you're not relying on anybody right. else exactly. Yep. yeah, that's very cool. Uh, That's very exciting, and some of those um, because you know I have the prototype and I was waiting to see what you guys were going to do with some of the inlays and some of the different stuff. They look very cool. It really lends itself. The Model C lends itself to a lot of different uh, variations. It's nice that Um, yeah. So
1: it's 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 nice because changing the inlays changed the the style of the knife drastically. Um, and so Mm -hmm. right now, I mean, we're focusing on the, on the carbon fiber, just the plate, the standard weave. Uh, and so the first Mm -hmm. thousand here that we've taken deposits for, uh, they're all going to be the, that carbon fiber. Um, but in between Mm -hmm. that, we're going to do kind of some, uh, small drops. Uh, so, uh, like at USN, we had, uh, some... Uh, that must have been Yeah, the ones so at USM I, I had yeah. some titanium versions, so titanium inlays. Uh, we did some tumble titanium versions, uh, some heat-colored versions. Uh, so we're just going to play around with uh, throwing in different inlay options, uh, DLC-coated parts, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and mm. as we're building our big production run, uh, we'll just kind of throw some fun stuff out there. And, and you know, Damascus blades and uh Damascus inlays I don't know just fun stuff. are are you guys machine are these blades machine grain? uh so the way we're doing it at this exact moment uh is we have that old retrofit mill that we used to make all of our really? um you know dog and the toad and the e t um we set that up with a two by seventy two grinder and kind of a <laughs> um
3: uh,
2: I'd put an angle head on the spindle So we could get a horizontal spindle Yeah And then adapted
3: This
0: is the, this is the most
2: <laughs> <laughs> A grinder b- Most hot yeah, thing it's, ever It's pretty neat <laughs> yeah. I'll take a picture of that Well before. and I
1: I took a video yes. and So that's on my Instagram somewhere uh, But that just does our rough grind um, and, and so that gets me right. really close And then from there uh, I, I finish him uh, Hand grinding on Oh that. wow you're sitting there doing a thousand blades yeah uh, it's <laughs> it's great yeah so at, at this exact moment I do all I grind all the bevels and I sharpen all the blades um, so Oof. yeah it's it's uh, and it's tough because I have a hard time sitting in one one spot because I'm yeah how's, I'm how's running your neck? you know doing everything else and solving What's... all the the problems all day long and so oh. yeah
0: I I don't know how you do it man that's yeah. That's unbelievable. I thought I I assumed that on the production models they were just being the blades are just getting
1: we're we're moving closer DC. into that direction, uh, but we we haven't got there yet. So everything's still hand ground.
0: Gosh, wow, that is something. That just to give, I mean, I hope this gives people an idea of how much. I'm just going to say love goes into these things. You know, I, I, it's it's more than a sum of its parts, you know? It's a very... It's just a very cool thing. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, Where do we go from here? Uh, I think we start at the beginning. We're... We're or present day. We're at the present day. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, so future.
1: we're, <laughs> future you know, we're of... buying more machines and hiring more people and, uh, you know, uh, again, we're trying to get get it so that the Model C is just being made every day, all the time, uh, and kind of ironing out all of that. And then, uh, ideally, I'd like to get back to doing some design work and come out with some new designs. Um, and, uh, you know, we spent, so part of that time, you know, I had all these employees uh, transitioning from the Model B to the Model C, but I didn't really have a whole lot of work for them uh, because there wasn't parts made yet. Mm. So uh, we focused really heavy on running the, the c and as much as possible. Uh, so we are doing as long shifts as we could. Um, uh, so we had people remodeling. So we, we remodeled our shop, um, put a lot of effort into that, just regrouping, reorganizing, um, and building new rooms, updating power that kind of stuff um trying to just get a a better foundation for us workflow um, stuff yeah and so here we are now you know it's been i don't know usn wasn't that long ago what 20-ish days ago um or less and yeah. uh and so we're only yeah 20 days into the model c production being in a complete uh circle you know we've got machines running, we have people doing all the final finishing and then final assembly and knives being shipped out the door. Um. Unreal.
0: Such a That's cool awesome.
1: story. Uh,
3: mm-hmm.
0: And, and uh, this has been, like, honestly, such a treat for me. Uh, just, just to spend some time with the two of you and uh, just have the story time with Grant. Uh, uh, Grant, I also hear... Whispers of a possible uh, publication. Uh, Is this true?
2: Yeah. And so, you know, I started on that a couple of years ago uh, because it seemed like a good idea. But when Gavin got back from Blade Show, uh, he had uh, whipped up a frenzy of anticipation for this book project. So I, anyway, I rolled up my sleeves and dived back into it. So I don't know how long it will take. I'm not a writer, uh, and so uh, I'm muddling my way through. We'll see. Uh, I can't even imagine how long it's going to take. I've had to uh, hire some help, uh, part-time help. I've got a couple of ladies that proofread for me and point out everything I did wrong and so on. So this is a whole new world for me. I'm pretty sure I'll never write another book. Uh, but I'm going to try my best to get to the finish line on this one. Well, whatever, whenever it gets done, you have to record an audio oh, version really? of it because you are a great <laughs> yeah. storyteller. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I guess people yeah. do that. I, I don't know.
0: And you have to do everyone's <laughs> oh. voice. If there are characters, Yeah, that's going to be tricky. You have to do every, everybody's voice as well. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tricky. But... Well, I, I'll, I'll even help. Uh... <laughs> but seriously it's been an absolute yeah, well, pleasure uh, yes. well, yeah, thank you, so you guys better. for having us and uh, it was great if there's anything else you guys would like to say to everybody please uh, the floor is yours I th- uh, where can everybody find yeah, you and all uh, that stuff
1: I, I think we yeah, hit most of the things um, but yeah our website sure. Designs. dot um, com and uh Uh, you know if if you're interested in Model C the way that we sell things at this moment uh, you have to go to our site sign up for the newsletter and then we send out links for our drops through that Uh, so you just click a link and then you can have a buy now uh, button that takes you to a cart Um, and uh, yeah I mean you follow us on Instagram that's probably where I'm the most active uh, even though I'm not super active uh, but I'm trying um and and that's that's he does pretty good i think you're yeah, on there then, so that's good. hawk knives uh on instagram uh i don't it's on facebook as well but i don't even remember what it is on facebook it might be hawk designs or hawk knives uh we we never it's just auto posts from the facebook from yes the that's right yeah, yeah. so I <laughs> instagram's the place to yeah, place to I, follow I'm the same way. Um, uh, we have started adding a lot of merch, um, and so like you've got the the tumbler right there, uh, and we've got you know hats and shirts, uh, mouse mouse pads. Mouse pads. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, look, my mouse. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which? Oh, my God. This yeah. just got awkward. Ah, nice. Wow. <laughs> That's good. Um, how long have you been saving that one up?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right off the top of my head. I'm really great. proud of myself.
1: Right um, now. Don't be. <laughs> I'm going to steal that one for sure. Uh, the mouse pads were a neat idea. So I actually stole that from Serge uh, Panchenko because... I think yeah, I have I could, one of his, So he'd too. go to shows, and he'd put them on, on <laughs> the table, and he'd put his knives on those. I was like, oh, that's a mm. great idea. Uh, and then, uh, so I bought some, gave them to people at, at shows, and then people would start taking pictures of their knives on the mouse pads. And I was like, that's a on great idea. Pad. So anyways, we... And here I am, like an
0: idiot, using it as a <laughs> mouse pad for for an optical mouse to... That doesn't that's, use a lint yeah, ball, that's kinda but, strange. you know.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, so we got, you know, hoodies, Look. all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. What else do we have? Chapstick. Uh, that's kind of a fun fun little thing. So there's a, a lady in our town here that um, I'd go and play poker with, and she was raising bees. And so she started making products out of the... Uh, um out of the wax and one of those products was uh chapstick and so she printed up a little label with our logo on it and brought it over to me one day i was like okay sure that's cool i'll i'll buy a hundred of those and and i took them to blade show and people went nuts for them uh, i i legitimately thought you just went on
0: to like one of those like those put your name on any <laughs> merch type situations, and there was like a chapstick <laughs> button, and you just clicked that and said, "I'll have five thousand right. of those." No, thanks. it was
1: yeah, it was a friend that that talked Crazy. me into it, and you know, it's all natural, handmade, um, and and she does a great job, and she's evolved a lot over the years. Um, she sells them all around our town just a little private labeling for everybody. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're her largest customer at this point. Uh, I would
0: imagine. I, I, now I need some some yeah hawk it's bomb. it's
1: cock bomb yeah <laughs> that's awkward. Um, oh man, yeah, there you go. It's it, the first one's free. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it was great. People loved it at the show, uh, and so we just start giving away with every knife, and uh, so that's been kind of a fun little little extra that nobody else does. Yeah, it's cool. Um,
0: that's great stuff, man. Um, I, I pride I pride myself on having really cool merch for knife nuts, but I think you guys have sort of trumped. Us. We, we don't have <laughs> lip balm, so I need. It's, now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and well, look it's this cool. Lady I up. mean,
1: I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have people that come to me at the show and like, they like to pull it out of their pocket because they carry it with them all the time. If you're into lip balm, then you always have it on you and. uh... Yeah, it's
0: great. It's great. Uh, It's very cool. Again, thank you guys so much. Uh, Yes. It was an absolute honor. Really. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. Uh, And we'll do it again soon. Uh Uh, Thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, You guys know who you are. I'm going to keep this brief. This
3: was one popular episode I hope you guys enjoyed. I have some fun. See ya. alright um, I'm gonna stop recording.